0: You are listening to The Overwhelmed Brain. Today's episode is brought to you by GetOutOfTheMess.com. Are you annoyed by affirmations? Are you tired of that same old rehashed personal growth advice that all seems to boil down to think positively and all your problems will go away? If affirmations feel like lies and positive thinking feels like denial, then I want you to get ready. The Overwhelmed Brain is here to help you create the life you want, now. Hello and welcome to The Overwhelmed Brain. I am your host, personal empowerment coach, Paul Coliani. This is the show that helps you increase your emotional intelligence, strengthen your self-worth and self-esteem and empower you so that you can make decisions that are right for you. Everything I talk about on this show is my personal opinion and is meant for informational and educational purposes only. Always consult a medical or psychological professional before making any changes that could affect your physical or mental health. And uh, welcome to the show. Like I said, first thing I want to talk about today is uh, something that came up in the Overwhelmed Brain Empowerment Group on Facebook. If you're not a member, you can go to Facebook and look that up, the Overwhelmed Brain Empowerment Group, and it came up um in the in the form of a question that one of the members had regarding uh breaking up and getting into another relationship and the fears involved after having broken up, having a relationship and having that I guess fail, you could look at it that way or succeed because It's better for a relationship that's not going to last to fail faster (laughs) or end faster um, so that you don't get stuck with someone that maybe isn't that interested, isn't in love with you, uh, doesn't want to hang out with you. I don't know, just not sharing your interests. Uh, It's just nice to get out of a relationship that couldn't be everything it could be. I'm not saying all relationships are like that. Some people are very happy in relationships that couldn't be all they could be. Uh, But, you know, when you have someone in your life, you kind of want to have the best time possible sharing your life, sharing experiences, going through life, um, doing it with someone you love or just want to be with. So the question that came up, the subject matter was, I'm afraid to go into this next relationship or I have fears regarding it because, you know, now I've already been hurt What if it happens again? And I have an interesting take on this. Well, maybe it's not that interesting, but it's interesting to the people I've dated over the the years. And that's when they ask me, well, why aren't you afraid to get into another relationship when everyone you've met has left you? And the way I answer is that I never think about the end of a relationship when the relationship is beginning. I just get into the next relationship and enjoy it each day as if this was the only time we had together. I mean, I don't really consider the end of a relationship when we're having a great time the first few weeks, first few months, even the first couple of years. I just don't think about it. I'm enjoying it in the moment because this is what we have. It's very present moment thinking. This is what we have now. This is what I want to uh, utilize. I don't want to look in the future. I don't want to look in the past. I want to enjoy what we have today. Uh, That doesn't mean I don't plan for the future. That doesn't mean we don't talk about the future or the past. It just means what's most important is right now. You know, Eckhart Tolle talks about that all the time. The Power of Now, his book, uh, the present moment. Uh, Where do your thoughts go? Are you present with your thoughts here? Are you paying attention to the here and now? And there's a lot to that, especially in a relationship, because if you're focused on the past or too focused on daydreaming about the future and what could be, then you're missing what's right in front of you. And I think that's important. So that's my answer, except not so long. I just answer and say, you know, I'm not afraid to get into another relationship because, I mean, another reason is because I love being in love. I love being in love. I think it's a great feeling. So that's what I look for when I get into my next relationship. Now I'm in a relationship that I hope I keep for the rest of my life. This is what I want. But do I think about, well, it could end in a year? I have thought that, but it doesn't mean that I'm focused on. It, it doesn't mean that it needs to be thought about because if I'm thinking about that, then there might be something wrong with today, whether it's my perception of the of the relationship Or that I need healing or she needs healing and uh, we can't get past certain issues, some emotional triggers, some, you know, whatever's going on we need to figure out. If we don't figure those out today, then they do become potentially destructive to the relationship later. So this is where present-minded, present-moment thinking comes in. You look at your relationship and go, hmm, what's going on today? What's wrong with it today? Maybe a bad choice of words, but, you know, what needs uh, healing? What needs discussing today? And uh, then you discuss it. You bring it up. You bring up the hard stuff. Like, you know, I don't really want to talk about this, but I have to because it's going to continue to eat away at me. It's going to continue building resentment in me if we don't talk about it. And I don't want to waste your time or my time by, you know, emotionally withdrawing or disconnecting from you. I want to talk about this stuff. So we talk about the hard stuff, you know, in the present. Sometimes we have to wait a day or two if something comes up and emotionally triggers us and we have to process it, but don't let it, you know, go too long before you talk about it. And then there are people out there that will say, yes, but every time we talk about it, we argue and it, and it goes around and around and then we never get anywhere and there's no closure. Yes, there are those things. Um, Those minimize when you start revealing the harder truths. And what I mean by that is, let's just say that um, your significant other has um, an ex in their life and their friends and they communicate and it bothers you. Why are you talking to your ex? And it really bothers you. And uh, they say, well, I can have any friend I want. That's the friend I want. And I want to talk to this person. I think when you look at something like that, you have to figure out what about it bothers you, not just that they have an ex that they're talking to, but what about that bothers you? Let's just say that while well, you're sharing personal information about our relationship with this other person, then you can go, I don't like that. I don't think you should do that. And you should know better. You might, you might have that argument. And if they say, well, that's ridiculous. This is my friend and I'm going to tell them anything I want. Then you look back in yourself and you go, hmm, what's that violating inside of me? Is it a boundary? Is it a, a value? What is it? What is happening? Is it disrespectful to me? What's happening inside of me? Because once you identify what's happening inside of you, then you can learn to communicate it better you can say, look, I feel disrespected when you do that. It really hurts me. And then they can go, well, I don't care. Or, oh, I didn't know it hurt you. I didn't know you felt disrespected. I'm, I'm sorry. Maybe I need to change my behavior. Maybe, you know, what's more important to me is us, our relationship. You know, this is a friend that I've had for a long time, but you're the person I, you know, go to sleep with every night. If that's, the level of your relationship or we live together or we're married and this is the person you're the person i want to stay with for the rest of my life this gives them the option when you share what's going on inside you instead of pointing the finger and saying i don't want you doing that with her or him and you focus back on yourself and go well this is what's happening inside of me when you do that then the other person is empowered to make the choice that he or she feels is the right choice and that choice may or may not hopefully may uh, support the relationship but if it doesn't support the relationship and they want what they want and they don't care what you want just like the last episode you know do I value what you value then you might have a problem in the relationship that may not go away so it's important to get talk about this hard stuff and get it out and talk about how it affects you instead of what they're doing wrong. I think that's a, a very important piece of information because then they are empowered to make the choice instead of you making the choice for them. But let me back up a little bit because what I want to talk about for real is uh, breaking up for newbies. And now what I mean by that is that, um, I get a lot of emails, um, uh, a good percentage of them, not maybe like, of them are from people who haven't experienced a lot of relationships. So they are in one or two major relationships in their life. Maybe they're in their first relationship and then they experience their very first breakup. That is so devastating to some of these people that write to me and they don't know what to do. It's like, it's the end of the world. I don't know what to do. I'll never be happy again. And so I read through these and I can almost always tell when someone hasn't gone through a major breakup uh, where they were really in love, where it really shocked them and they don't know what to do. Because there are very, very common uh, signs and symptoms from my perspective that I see in uh, new breakups, or I should say uh, people who haven't experienced a lot of breaking up in their lives. So that's why I call it breaking up for newbies. If you've had several major breakups in your life, then this won't necessarily apply to you. Some of it will. You'll recognize the uh, the stages that I'm going to go over. But um, if you've had a lot, if you're one of the seasoned breakup artists <laughs> like me, uh, then you'll recognize a lot of these stages, like I said. Um, but again, they won't always apply to everyone. Even if you're uh, brand new to this breakup thing. Uh, just because I'm reading all these stages doesn't mean they'll all apply to you, but I have a feeling a lot of them will. But the reason I I kind of made up these stages is that I want you to know that if you are breaking up and you're new to this stuff, that it's quite common. Uh, these stages I'm going to share with you. It's common. I want you to know it's common to go through this stuff because. A lot of people experience uh, this end of the world thought process thinking that, oh my God, I'll never be happy again. And it's simply not true. It's so devastating that it changes, I don't know, must change your chemical makeup to think that, oh my God, if I lose this person, there will never be another person like it, which is true. There will never be another person like it, thankfully, because if they didn't stick around, you don't want someone else to be with you and then not, not stick around again. That would be not good, Uh, but there are many stages to this that uh, are very common, and just like when you get the common cold, there are symptoms, and then the common cold goes through those symptoms, and then you heal. You get better. So, this is for people who are in that newbie stage of their first or second major breakup, and for those who might not be so new to the scene, but are still experiencing these stages. So let me go over them now, and uh, I'll tell you what I mean. Stage one for the breakup newbie is what the hell. (laughs) What the hell is going on? Uh, What just happened? Um, I call this the what the hell stage because you're experiencing it for the first time, and it feels like the very worst thing that could happen in life and if you've never experienced a breakup and you are fully in love and then they leave you're like what what's going on what what the hell just happened it's devastating it really is it's just like cataclysmic so i mean it can be but let's just say that commonly it's cataclysmic it's just life-changing world-ending what the hell line of thinking i'm sorry if that's a uh curse to anyone that's sensitive to that word. (laughs) Uh, Stage two is what's wrong with me? This happens a lot. Is that what's wrong with me? What did I do? Is it the way I look? Is it because I gained five pounds? Is it because I lost five pounds? Is it because I dyed my hair? Is it because of what I said that day? What's wrong with me? It's a very common thing. Um, I think we've all gone through it, or at least uh, most of us. I've gone through it, and um, just know that this is normal thinking. If you're a breakup newbie, this is normal thinking. There's nothing wrong with you. It's just this is what happens. Uh, this is the thought process that takes place, and just like a common cold, it's a symptom of what you're feeling. doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you. It just means this is a sign uh, that you're going through a breakup for the first or second time, and you're just you just have to go through this process. You may not experience this process. Some people don't. But if you are, just know it's normal and it's going to pass. Stage three is I'll never be happy. I think uh, a lot of us have gone through that too. I'll never be happy again. This was the perfect person. They were everything I wanted. They, They made me feel happier than anything. This is another one of those stages because uh, you think that the way you felt was so great and then for it all to end, you think it's never going to happen again, that you'll never feel good again. I've got very good news. You will. You'll feel different because the way you felt before, even though it was wonderful, you may have had some blinders on. You're so in love that you failed to see the red flags or... You didn't want to hear what they had to say sometimes because that meant they might not love you as much or might not want a future with you. There's all kinds of things that can um, bring up red flags of, you know, a sign of the end of the relationship. And sometimes we miss those when we're so in love, but it doesn't mean there's always red flags. Sometimes relationships just end. Sometimes they just leave. Sometimes we just leave. But there is that stage of I'll never be happy. Yes, you will. And I say that after 48 years of being on the planet, and looking back at all the times I've said that, (laughs) I've said, I'll never be happy, at least after three major relationships. I'll never be happy again. And then I was. And it wasn't always because I had another relationship. It was just because, oh, that didn't define my life. That wasn't the only person that could ever make me happy. After all, there are billions on the planet and I know there are certain selection that we have access to, but still, that one person wasn't the magic formula for my happiness. They helped, and they certainly made me happy in many ways, but it doesn't mean that once they're gone that nobody else could possibly do that. That's just That kind of thinking is limiting, and you don't want to limit yourself. You want to keep yourself open and get through these stages. You will get through these stages. The next one is, What's the point of existing? I mean, think about that. How many times have you or someone you know had this line of thinking? What's the point of existing? What's the point of all this? If they're not in my life, then I've got nothing and I'm alone. I feel rejected. I feel abandoned. And I'm not trying to diminish or downplay or invalidate anything that you're going through. I'm saying this in a positive, motivating way to let you know that these things pass. These things, they go away. And I can't promise you it's going to pass in a week or a month or a year, but they will pass. They are temporary. So when you have this feeling of what's the point, what's the point of being here? That feeling passes. And it's important for you to know that because if you have any tendencies to hurt yourself or worse, just know that those tendencies also pass now if it's been years and you still feel that way then absolutely you need to reach out for help you need to talk to people but if it hasn't been years they will pass and the next stage this is where we start seeing something uh, different on the horizon this is the glimmer of a new romance now it doesn't mean you get into a relationship right away it doesn't mean you're looking for another relationship but uh you know walking through the bookstore or the supermarket And someone gives you that look or someone pays attention to you in a certain way. And there's a glimmer of maybe possibly thinking about dating again. There's no time frame here, but this is like a stage in the process. Wow, I hadn't thought about that in months. And now this person looked at me and I'm feeling pretty good about myself. That's interesting. And these stages may also... Uh, ebb and flow with, you know, over over time, because at one point you may feel like, oh, what's the point? And then the next point, wow, somebody looked at me. And then, oh, you know what, I'll never be happy. And then, you know, these things diminish because every time you feel one of these things, that they're not as impactful as they were. Because I guarantee the very first day you broke up, that felt a lot different than two months later, when you think about it. That's what happens. These things diminish. Those symptoms eventually dissolve and the cold goes away. So after the uh, glimmer, you now perhaps start dating. Maybe you meet someone and getting into this relationship, this is another question that I often get, which is, um, I'm afraid to get into another relationship because I might be hurt again. And I've already expressed to you where I am with that. And some people can do that. Some people can't. I'm not saying just do that and everything will be great. I'm saying that um, you get into a relationship and it's okay to be weary. I call it weary love. It's okay to have that weary love feeling where you can't trust and you're not ready to give your heart over. That's okay. Go into it weary. You can be weary. You can be um cautious and that's good because what happens is you fall in love slow instead of diving in with both feet and really giving your all to the other person when it's only been three days (laughs) or moving in after a week i'm not saying any of this is good or bad i'm just saying that when you dive in and give it your all and you hand your heart over without a long process of uh, feeling your way through, of seeing how they behave in every situation that comes up in life, seeing how they treat other people, hearing how they talk about their ex or how they treat their coworkers, and or what they do in their spare time. You You get all the information you can. You gather it and you don't only listen to their words. You see it in their behavior. You see it in their actions. Because this is uh, this is important when you're dating. When you're talking to someone and they're sharing with you all this stuff about them and it all sounds great, I highly recommend that you make mental notes to see if what they say matches what they do. Because that's where a lot of us can get stuck and duped is that we're with someone who says all the right things and then when they don't follow it up with action, there's an incongruence, there's a conflict in our mind. Yeah, but they're so nice to me, but all these things that they said don't match up. Red flag. That's all I'm saying. Those are red flags. They're not following up with action. Then they're just talking the talk and playing the game. You just want to be aware of that. So in that weary love stage, that's a good stage to be in. I want you to be aware, observant, cautious, so that you don't just hand your heart to anyone. They have to pass your tests. They have to pass your challenges. You don't necessarily have to tell them you're challenging them. In fact, I recommend you don't tell them. I would just have those challenges set up in your mind. And as they pass each one, your level of trust, your level of openness starts to open up more and more. The next stage um, after the weary love is that now you're in a relationship and you might have thoughts. And these are all mites, by the way, but uh, commonly you might have thoughts that this doesn't really compare to the last relationship the last relationship I had was amazing and there's nothing that could ever beat it. So, I don't know, maybe I could never be happy in another relationship. This is normal, this is common. How you felt in the first relationship, there was a lot of physical, you know, chemical changes inside your body and uh, you certainly felt like you gave your heart over 100%, but now you're in that weary love stage or just beyond it and you're afraid to give your heart Over. So you're not as vulnerable, which means they're not as vulnerable, which means you really can't connect on an intimate, trusting, bonding level. That can take time. So, like I said, the weary love stage is a great stage to just get to know each other for as long as it takes. And then, when you have thoughts, if you do, of nothing compares to the last relationship, just know that uh, you have a lot to do with that most of the time. You, with your heart that used to be maybe open is now closed somewhat. And it's not a bad thing, but it's just a matter of opening your heart a little each time until you get to that really, really trusting place inside of you so that you can allow yourself to feel just as wonderful, if not more, than the last relationship. And this leads to kind of the final stage, which is when you get to that you trust everything about them, what's going on. They're being congruent in their words and behavior. And uh, you feel like you can share more of yourself safely. I think when you feel safe and trusting of them and toward them and you're attracted to them and they are showing up authentically, at as least as, as far as you can tell, then you open your heart up again. You connect and unify with them and become uh, I don't want to say become one but you do become the relationship. So you have you, you have that person and then you have the relationship. And the relationship kind of acts like a unit. And so now what happens to the relationship happens to both of you. And what happens to one person bleeds into the relationship and can affect both of you. So it's, it's more intertwined. And this is where you start forming an identity because of the relationship. You are a part of this relationship. So now it's not just Mary and it's not just Joe. It's always Joe and Mary or Bill and Bob or Cindy and Sandy, whatever. The point is that uh, you identify as a couple and individuals, but you know what I mean? It's like you you get um, recognized as, hey, Joe, where's Mary? And every time you show up, that is how... Uh, people address you they want to know where your other half is and so that's when the relationship really reaches its pinnacle of togetherness and where it can be the strongest Uh, especially when all these other factors like um, love trust bonding and safety nurturing support and um, just wanting the other person to be happy and doing whatever you can to see that they are happy when all of this is in the mix it can create a fulfilling, long-lasting relationship. So this is my take on the newbie breakup. When you go through these stages, they are only temporary and I wanted you to know them just in case you haven't experienced it yet or you're going through it now or it's something that you just haven't uh, been able to get over because those who haven't experienced this, it is devastating. (laughs) When I experienced my first real major breakup I look back at it now and go, wow, that that was so devastating. I really thought that happiness ended and life was over. And I don't want you to invest so much into a relationship where your thoughts go there. Now, they will if you're not used to this, if you don't know what to expect. But now you know what to expect. And know that this too shall pass. As you go through life, you will meet other people. You will have relationships. It depends. I mean, if you are still with your high school sweetheart and it's all working out, that can be awesome. And sometimes it doesn't work out. So it doesn't mean it's over. It just means it's another phase. It's another phase of life. I've been through like three or four phases of my life, and I've had to get used to each one. It's not that it becomes easier. You just become more aware that in order to progress, you kind of have to go through some of these stages in life. If things aren't necessarily working out and sometimes they don't work out whether we like it or not So I hope this helps you no matter what stage you are in your life and in your relationships We'll be right back I want to tell you about get of this is a service that you can use uh, whenever you need legal advice or uh, legal guidance and uh, they can actually uh, be utilized for almost any question you have in fact um, i'm thinking about some of the emails that i get from people who are considering i don't know divorce and um, and are afraid of their finances of afraid of where they're going to end up And I'm thinking, well, this service is so inexpensive and it's so little money compared to what you'd pay a lawyer for an hour of time uh, that these are lawyers that get paid by the month so you can ask them any questions. Very similar to, now that I think about it, my email coaching program. Um, Not that I'm here to push that in this little segment, but think about it. If you had someone that you could reach out to anytime and ask legal questions to, that's pretty handy. Just like my coaching program is more emotionally based questions. These are legal questions. Who can you call to find out uh, the answer to something and know that the answer is going to be based on the laws of the state or province that you're in. If you're in the U.S. or Canada, this is one of those services for the U.S. or Canada only. But the service exists for the very reason that it's very difficult for some people who don't have the finances to pay attorneys uh, for their hourly rate especially for questions that can be answered really quickly or you just need guidance in something. So this is something I wanted to share with you. I use the service. My girlfriend uses the service and I'd like you to check it out so you can determine if this is the right thing for you as well. So give Asha a call at 678-355-8777 or go to getoutofthemess.com to read more about it. Check out what they offer and get that good feeling about having what Asha calls legal insurance. It's about 20 bucks a month for the average person, and the feeling you get of knowing you have someone to turn to well, that's just a benefit. GetOutOfTheMess.com. Welcome back. I'm going to read you a message from someone I'm going to call Melissa. Melissa says, Hey Paul, I come from a dysfunctional family where my dad was mean and violent, my mom depressed and drunk, and there were suicide attempts from my mom and sister, and my dad was controlling and critical of everything. I was bullied at school, so I was afraid to go, and then, of course, afraid to come home. My parents, when I was 21, had both immigrated, and my dad remains overseas. Since they divorced, the stress my mom suffered made her ill. She has an array of illnesses, and she's terminal. So tomorrow is never promised. My dad barely emails, and when he does, it's to impose his opinion on me and retain control. I constantly strived for my dad's acceptance and love, and now I feel abandoned. My inner child talking, I think. A little smiley face. I've been in a relationship with my partner for eight years, and it feels like we've always had our problems. When we first met, I was suffering badly from depression, and he supported me through counseling. I should probably mention that I highly suspect he is a highly sensitive person. All the signs are there. He is now an out-of-work alcoholic, and I'm struggling to support us both. He's working on himself, and he's doing really well, but I'm impatient. He has come a long way, but it's been years of broken promises, and it leaves me feeling uh, as if I can't speak my truths, as I don't want to rock the boat. I feel a huge amount of pressure with my career and supporting us, and caring for my mom and trying to support him as best I can. I snap easily and often come from a resentful place when we try to talk. I always feel like if he says something that triggers me, I come from a how dare you place rather than listening. He has a huge trigger about not being listened to, and I feel like I've practiced dissociation and given him a place to vent, but it's not a two-way street. Uh, Just a side note, dissociation, probably the most basic way to put that is when you sort of disconnect externally. Like you are there, but you're not there. You're checked out. So you're not really engaged. You're just kind of waiting in the background, sort of like um, being numb. It can happen uh, during trauma too, where you dissociate, become numb, and, uh, you know, a lot of abuse victims have talked about this or have experienced this where they almost disconnect from their uh, senses, from their visual, from their auditory, from their touch, and um, they just check out until it's over. So I have a feeling that's what you're doing is just checking out, just listening, uh, but not really listening, just kind of being there for him. Anyway, uh, she goes on, I've listened to your podcast on the components of a healthy relationship uh, at least once a week but he won't. He sees his recovery as being the only important thing. It's important to me too, but I have so much built up from seven years of alcohol and drug abuse and nowhere to let it out. I'm on the brink of getting what I always thought would help us, but I'm just worried now that I don't have the strength or energy left to see it through to the finish line. I don't like what I've become. I know this isn't me because when I lash out, it doesn't sit right with me and I have to apologize for the way I've behaved but then it almost always detracts from what I've said, my truth. My life seems like a looping screensaver of work, caring for my mom, and supporting my partner. I'd love to escape and do something for me every now and then, even if it's just to get my nails done or a glass of wine with my sister. But we have no money due to his reckless spending. It's so demotivating to work 60 to 70 hours a week with a great wage, but to have nothing left over while he is at home all day, Spending money quicker than I can earn it. Then I go to my mom's, watch her suffer and struggle physically, have PTSD episodes, and try to be strong for her. I don't tell my mom my problems because she tried to commit suicide when I was 18. I had just broken up with a boyfriend and had cried to her, but my dad told me it was my fault that she tried to commit suicide and that I can't tell my mom my problems. I feel like I've been alone a very long time being the person who has to be strong for others, but I think I might be empty now. I'm sorry if I'm being erratic, and if you need to edit this for the air, please do so. I would just really appreciate any advice that you can give. I feel like I'm losing my authentic self in all this mess. I appreciate you, Melissa. All right, Melissa, thank you so much for sharing that, and um, I'm glad that you reached out and shared all this because it doesn't sound like you're being listened to at home, and I need you to be listened to. I need you to... Have someone to share this with, whether it's a family that you love and trust or even this stranger that you found online, <laughs> me. Uh, but I'm just so glad that you expressed all this. This needs to come out of you. This is part of the pressure that's been building up in you and needs a release. Now, just expressing this doesn't mean your life is changing, uh, although it's a beginning because the beginning is the awareness of what's happening in your life And acknowledging what's happening in your life, and also acknowledging that you feel empty, you feel drained. And from what I can tell, that's not ever going to end. I'm going to give you the bad news up front. Your life, the way it is now, if you do nothing, will stay the same, exactly the way it is. Because there is a pattern, more like a rut, that has already developed in your relationship and in your husband's uh, mind, that this is the pattern to recovery, to continue doing what he's doing. He may be taking huge strides in recovering. However, he's also taking huge strides in draining you too, emotionally. And if he is unable to see that his behavior is causing more and more uh, for you to be distanced, for you to not Feel loving toward him, for you to feel more resentful toward him. Yeah, first of all, if you're not expressing that, you need to. You need to express that his behavior, he, he may be on the road to recovery, which is fantastic, but his behavior in the relationship is causing a problem. And you may be there for him in other ways, but you may not be able to survive as he goes through his recovery in the relationship unless he also includes the relationship in his recovery. Because recovery, yes, it does mean that you need to focus on yourself, work on yourself, and do the best you can. But it also means that you become more self-sufficient, self-reliant. Because when you don't do that, you become codependent. You become dependent on someone else's caring and caregiving so that you can get through what you're getting through. That's not always a bad thing unless you are draining the other person like he is doing. So, bad news first, this situation will not change because it has become a pattern that works. It has become the codependent, dysfunctional, typical enabling slash giver and taker relationship. So, I really want you to absorb this for a moment. I want you to think about how your relationship is today and how the trend has been going. When you look at that trend line, is it going up and progressing and being more and more productive and happy and healthy? Or is has it stayed the same? Or is it going in a downward trend? And I want you to include how you feel in that downward trend, if that's what you see. Because that's what I see. I see over the months and years, this downward trend continuing and you feel worse and worse, and eventually you're going to be so empty that you'll have nothing left to give where you'll reach a breakdown. And that breakdown can be healthy. The breakdown is when you go, I can't take it anymore. I can't be your enabler. I mean, if he has gone to any AA programs or any type of um 12-step program like that, he's going to know what enabling is, and if he's refusing to add that into the formula and see that you are fulfilling that role of enabler then he needs to consider that as part of his recovery his healing has to include not being enabled so what you need to do is realize that today the way things are today and how things have gone what has been the trend because if the trend is the downward line going to the right going down that's what it will continue to do and if you are the supporter you will always be that supporter because there is really uh, not enough incentive for him to stop doing what he's doing. If he's healing, fantastic. He can continue doing that, but he may lose you in the process. And he needs to be aware of this. You can even tell him, I love that you're healing. I can't wait to see you know, how far you get with this. I can't wait until you're happy and whole again. But you do realize that our relationship is falling apart while you do this. And he might say, well, I can't think about the relationship, but the most important thing is my recovery. Great. Then what you might end up doing is being alone while you recover. I just want to let you know that's what's going to happen. This is me talking. This is years of me practicing my boundaries and being in alignment with my values. Uh, But I want you to get into this space inside your head where you know what you value and you know what you want in a relationship. You already have enough struggle and relationships are supposed to be about equality. And yes, he is down and out and you'll help out. But when you're down and out, it works in reverse as well. There's times when you help out and there's times when he helps out. But if you're not getting that and you are very expressive about, hey, there's problems here and I need help. Hey, you're spending money when I make it. I don't like that. I want uh, you to make money too if he continues to use the recovery as an excuse for not making money, for not giving you the love and attention that you deserve, then he's become comfortable being enabled. So again, the bad news is this isn't going to change. I need you to come to an acceptance of that. The acceptance is this will never change. Say those words, this will never change. If you become highly aware that your relationship the way it is now, isn't going to change, it doesn't mean I'm right. It doesn't mean that's truth. It just means today, this isn't what it looks like. What it looks like is continually draining. Because what could happen, let's just say that uh, you decide to separate for a while. What could happen is that your separation is enough incentive for him to accelerate his healing, whatever that means. And he thinks, wow, the relationship's really important to me, so I need to do more. I'm not saying he can. I'm not saying that that's the right path for you or for him. I'm saying that uh, sometimes people don't have enough incentive because they're used to the status quo. They're used to what they have in front of them. And at the same time, he knows that you'll stay no matter how his behavior is. He can spend all the money he wants and you still bring it home just like my mother, for 40 plus years, no matter how many glasses he broke, she cleaned up after him. He never had to step in any of his own shards of glass because she always had it cleaned up, so he never experienced accountability. Of course, my stepfather didn't really go on any type of recovery program, never wanted to heal, Uh, so maybe your husband is a little further than my stepfather was, but uh, it's still the same enabling process. It's still... How enabling works is that when you don't provide accountability, there will be no change because they usually don't provide accountability to themselves. I don't know the situation well enough to tell you that's true or not. I just need you to be aware of what truth is and don't be in denial. Don't go into a place where you think that um, things will get better when the trend has been things getting worse. I mean, there's just no logic there. So I need you to be very clear, very logical. I know I I usually say, let's connect with your emotions. But in this case, I need you to disconnect from your your emotions for a moment and see the pattern, make it logical, make it rational and go, okay, this is what has been happening. What will happen? And you've heard me ask this question before, if you've been listening. uh, Okay, you're in the situation today. You're in your relationship today. If nothing changes and everything stays the same, and he has the same story. I'm still in recovery. It's all about recovery one year from now. How do you feel then? How do you feel being in this very same situation one year from now? What about two years? What about five years? I mean, think about it. Nothing's changing. Is it something that you want to continue doing? Is this something that you want to continue investing your time, energy, and even money into? I know it sounds like I'm telling you to leave. I'm telling you to get out of there. I'm not. I'm asking you to consider reality. This is the harsh reality check that sometimes we need. This is your reality right now. And you can choose to continue as it is, or you can do something about it. It doesn't mean leaving. It could mean I'm not helping you waste money. It could be that. And he may say, it's all about my recovery. Don't you care about me? He's going to say things like this. I'm predicting. I could be wrong, but I have a feeling. He's going to say, don't you care about me? I helped you when you were depressed. He's going to use that against you. Uh, But how long will that last? How long will you let that last? Because when someone finds something that they can use against you and they keep using it and they keep using it, it gets old. But as long as you keep getting activated by what they're saying, it'll continue to work. So you need to disconnect from what's working right now. If he says things like, I helped you. This is a marriage. It's supposed to be about equality. And I help you, you help me. Remember that equality uh, covers the spectrum of what's in a relationship. That's emotional, financial, sometimes spiritual, sometimes just hanging out together, going to the movies, walking hand in hand. The emotional connection that you get from experiencing life together. All of this should be equal. Yes, there can be times where one falls on hard times for a month or two or three or sometimes longer. But years? That doesn't compute. After a few months, you start wondering, Is thing, are things going to change? After a few years, things aren't going to change. I mean, you just have to put that in your head. Things aren't going to change. Okay, now I have truth. Now I can do something. That's I put that on the table. Uh that's the truth. That's what it is. Now I can do something with it. I don't know what to do with it. I mean that thought might come to mind, but now you have truth. It's right there. It's tangible. You can see it happening. You know it's happening. So there has to be accountability. If recovery is all about him and him investing in himself, then he may need to do that on his own. If he wants to drag you down during his recovery, then he needs to consider what that's doing to you. If he doesn't care what it's doing to you and that you should do this, you should feel obligated and you should feel guilty if you don't help me, that's manipulating. Now he's gone over the line. He's crossed that uh, threshold of being in a relationship where there's supposed to be equality and um, for better or worse doesn't really apply anymore because he's making it worse and worse and worse for you. It never gets better for you. Where's your better? I'm with you. You're getting drained. It's not working. Something needs to shift. Something needs to change. And you will burn out. And again, burnout isn't necessarily a bad thing if you reach that breakdown point and say, I can't take it anymore. Boy, because when you reach that breakdown point and you go, I can't take it anymore. You will do things that you've never done or you will honor yourself in ways that you never have and you'll go, that's it. I don't care about the consequences. This is what I'm going to do. Sometimes that's a great place to be. So that's what I want to say about um, your marriage. Now, with your family, with uh, your mom and your dad, uh, that's a different story. So yes, your mom, if she is that sensitive, if there's nothing you can say to her without her getting extremely, um, I don't know, psychologically challenged, then all you can do is just show up and do what you're doing, just be there and not necessarily share uh, the stuff that would apparently cause her to, I don't know, does she feel like a failure? I mean, what, I don't know what's going on there. Obviously she has things going on that she needs extra care for, but uh, there's really nothing you can do about that. And now you know what uh, is certainly sets her off. So you stay out of the things that set her off. Yes. Now you lose that motherly role model that you can rely on and share with. You don't have it anymore. You don't have your mom as that motherly role model, but there are other people that can fill that gap. Not completely. I understand you'll you'll never have the mom that birthed you, but when you can be a daughter in a way to someone else and share your thoughts, your emotions, your pain, your grief, your shame, your embarrassment, everything that you go through with someone that you trust, someone in that role, then it can help as a replacement. It's not a replacement, but you know what I mean. It is that safe feeling that you want to have as if you had a healthy, loving, nurturing mom that could handle that kind of information and that would be there for you and give you advice, give you suggestions. And same with your dad. You may not have your biological dad as someone that can act as that uh, strong, positive male role model that you may really want to have, but there are other people in the world that can fulfill that. I mean, I've been through this, you know, I grew up with a very unstable family structure, Uh, where I was going back and forth between my real dad and then coming back home and with my alcoholic stepfather and uh, wasn't sure where I should live wasn't sure where I fit in I wanted to be in both places because my mom was on one side and my dad was on the other side and my dad you know he had his issues too and um, in some ways he did show up as a dad but in other ways he was uh, unhealthy for me as a father so there are things that he did that even at 14 I was like what that's not right. <laughs> that's not That's not good dad behavior. I mean, at 14, I had this, uh, the wherewithal to go, I don't think I'm going to do what my dad wants me to do. <laughs> and he would put me in situations that were unhealthy for me. So um, fortunately, I had, like I said, enough wherewithal, enough conscientiousness to go, I'm not going to follow that path, dad. Um, and, you know, I didn't really have too much of the strong positive male role model that I needed so I grew up sort of with um, my mom's attributes like of all people that I role modeled it was my mom because she was so good at using humor to get through the tough times and also going into denial and also uh, being passive aggressive and also not speaking her truth and just um, placating and people-pleasing she was very good at all this stuff, so that's who I modeled. And I, I was more of all of these characteristics growing up. Uh, but I, di- I never had the masculine aspect of honoring yourself, standing up and being authentic. You know, not that it has to do with men or women. It's just what I call the masculine and feminine aspects of the different personality characteristics that we all have. Even the most feminine woman, can have the masculine quality of standing up for herself. I mean, my girlfriend thinks that's a feminine quality. <laughs> standing up for yourself is a woman. And so it doesn't really matter how you look at that, but I see it as a masculine quality of standing up for myself, honoring myself, being in alignment with my values, and and doing things that only align with those values. I find that those are very action-oriented, behavior-oriented things. So I never had that. I always had the submissive, uh, you do what pleases others instead of pleasing yourself. And I carried that around for a long time until I had so many failures in my romantic relationships that I realized something is unbalanced in me. Something needs shifting. I need to do something about this. And of course in my marriage, my um wife was very aware of a lot of this stuff that I needed in me and was able to Uh, Tell me, you know, you need to tell me your truth. I don't want you to be so afraid of talking to me. I don't want you to be afraid of telling me uh, that you're angry with me. And so she shared with me all these behavior characteristics that I didn't know I had and the communication style that I didn't know I was carrying because I thought it was better just to be the nice guy and placating and submissive and all this other stuff until she said, no, I want a real man. (laughs) I was like, okay, what does that mean? And I had to learn what a real man was. And, you know, that's subjective, but it's all these qualities that I'm talking about. So after I hear this from her, I had to learn what it was like to be, quote, a man. What does that mean? Where's my male role model? What could I use? There were several men throughout my life that I could use, I could draw from them. It's called building internal resources. When you think about the people that you looked up to and you really admired their qualities and their traits, that's who you can draw from, even if they they aren't around anymore. You can look back, like I used to work with this guy named Robert, and Robert had this amazing leadership skill. And no matter what fire came his way, he would consider it and go, hmm, okay, let's put it out. Let's take care of it. And uh, he would just shoot out some command or delegate something. And it would get done and it would never seem to bother him. And I'd be like, wow, I really like that quality. And I really wanted to have that personality trait. So I started adopting it and I started, you know, almost faking it till I made it. just want to try it on. I want to try this on and see what it's like. And suddenly I was part Robert. (laughs) And so it worked. I felt good. It changed my state. It, It changed me inside. And I was able to create that new internal resource for me to draw from whenever I needed it. I mean, this is what you do. This is all about nurturing that inner child that didn't get properly nurtured by maybe toxic or unhealthy or unaware or unavailable parents is that, okay, now I have this inner child that doesn't have enough emotional intelligence or knowledge to go throughout life and get the results that he wants. So I need to... Uh, come up with some resources to draw from. So that's what I'm talking about with you, Melissa, is that when you don't have a mom, when you don't have a dad that has all these positive resources, you need to look to someone else or think of a movie character or maybe reach inside of you because we all have these resources. We just don't know how to access them sometimes. When we don't know how to access them, then we seek uh, what we need outside ourselves. But you can look at other people in your life You can look at um, people that played in movies and see their character and like, I want to be that character. I remember when I needed to access uh, the Terminator (laughs) or, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger, the Terminator. And I needed that strength. I needed that ability to just disconnect from my fear and walk in the door and have that feeling. I role modeled it in that moment. Try that on. Try all of this on. Try... Um, the idea that you are a certain person or you are a certain character, what would you do or say then? This will help you build those internal resources that you need to become the person you need to be in the situations that you're in now. I mean, look at your marriage. How long have you been the person you are building resentment, um, having these thoughts and feelings and not being able to express them, being shut down, uh, being I don't know, put in your place, that doesn't feel very good. So this is when uh, you reach that breaking point and really step into that role and be the person you need to be. I know it's not easy and I know it's not something that always leads to the best results because sometimes people get mad and now you have to deal with that. Some people do things that will affect you and you have to deal with that. So uh, what I like to consider uh, when I'm going through anything like this or when I tell people is to really sit with yourself and visualize what life would be like without someone in your life. Let's just say that, for example, you didn't have your husband in your life. Tomorrow you woke up, he wasn't around anymore. I don't know what happened to him, he's just not there. What do you do during the day when he's not there? How do you feel? How do you feel when you go to work? How do you feel when you go visit your mom? When you don't have this other stressor, that exists. What does that feel like? Now the same thing with your mom. Let's just say that you're in this marriage um, and it continues. Now your mom isn't in your life. What does that feel like when that's no longer on your mind? How about your dad? Your dad's not around. What does that feel like? And you just try on these different things so you can understand where you are inside without other people's influence you try these things on, you imagine these uh, alternate realities, and then you start to think differently while you're in that state. These are very helpful visualization processes that might be able to give you the answers that you need. I mean, I have a feeling there's some answers floating around in you now, but uh, taking action on those answers, you know, means a lot. There's There's consequence to things. So you're thinking of the consequence. But Let's think about, let's just say that you took action on something and you are now in that space that after taking that action. Now what? Yeah, but now I have to deal with this and this and this. Great, deal with that in your visualization. Just keep going through that. Then what? Then what? Then what? And see where it takes you. How do you feel? How are you doing day to day? I mean, you sound like a very capable, independent person, so You know, I have a feeling there's a lot of reliance on maybe certain people that really aren't helpful to you. These uh, people in your life that you look to for support and love aren't able to give it. So you might not have that resource to draw from. You might have to get that resource from somewhere else. I'm not saying you, you know, go outside the marriage and get that from someone else. I'm saying that you need to build what's missing inside of you back up. Because if your reliance is on toxic people to fill that void, to be your supply for love and support and nurturing, and those toxic people are poisoning that supply, that's when inner strength needs to happen. And you build that inner strength by accessing or adding those internal resources so that you can make decisions that are right for you. That's what I want for you. There is a way out of this. And it may involve big decisions or it may involve small shifts in your behavior, uh, but it certainly doesn't involve continuing to enable a situation that keeps you drained and the other person inconsiderate of where you are. Yes, your husband's going through healing. That's awesome, like I said, Uh, but there's some inconsideration there or a lot of inconsideration. And some of that may have to do with you not being verbal enough about it, maybe not drawing the line. Or maybe he's very well aware of what he's doing and something needs to be done. Something, a line needs to be drawn. So that's what I have for you. I hope this helps, Melissa. You are in a tough situation, but you don't have to be. You can do things. And yes, there are some uh, consequences that may come of it, but there are also different results that you can get. You can be in a different outcome that you're in now. It doesn't have to be this way with some people it might have to with your mom you might just have to you know go with the flow with that but you've got it together in a lot of ways don't fall apart thanks for writing i appreciate you we'll be right back Thank you for listening to another episode of The Overwhelmed Brain. I want to thank Troy. Troy says, I hear all the people thanking you and your podcast, and they sound so heartfelt and meaningful, but here's one more. Thanks so much. You've helped me find what I needed, and I'm thankful you helped so many and me as well. I'll make sure you get as much value from my membership as I have taken away from your show and extras. It's definitely a hell yeah moment from your last podcast. I think he's talking about the patron membership. Thank you so much, Troy. I appreciate you. Thank you for writing those words. That That is very heartfelt. I appreciate that so much. And thanks for being a supporting member in the patron program. And I want to thank uh, iTunes reviewer Lola4467. They say, Paul, thank you so much for your podcast. It saved my week from having a bad week. <laughs> you changed completely my perspective about breakups. You are amazing. You are amazing, Lola4467, and uh, interesting news. Talk about breakups. I just talked about that in the first segment of this episode, so I hope you get something from that as well. Thank you, and I appreciate you taking the time to uh, write that. That means a lot to me. And I want to thank Asha with Get Out of the Mess. She is there to let you know if this service called Legal Shield is right for you. She answers your questions about it, and um, she's not there to sell you. She's just there to tell you what it's all about. So give her a call, 678-355-8777, or go to getoutofthemess.com. She'll answer all your questions, and if you like it, she can connect you with it. She's an independent re- representative for Legal Shield, and uh, she knows quite a bit about it. So give her a call, 678-355-8777. And I want to thank members of the patron program. Thank you for those of you supporting the show at patron.theoverwhelmedbrain.com. And to the latest members, you know, Monica, Troy, Shelly, Anna, Mary, Kelly, and so many others, thank you so much for joining the program. It's a great way to support the show if you are getting value from the show. And it's also a great way to listen to, I don't know, I have almost like 80 episodes in there that no one's ever heard, at least outside the patron program. And of course, you get all the free workbooks and worksheets, and uh, you can be a part of the e-coaching program as well, like I was talking about earlier, where we email back and forth, and I help you through some stuff. In fact, uh, I gotta talk about that in a moment. There's, there's someone who wrote to me something, uh, very telling, that I want to share with you. But um, before I do that, I just want to thank the patron members once again. You can go to patron.theoverwhelmedbrain.com if you're interested in uh, supporting the show and being one of those sustaining members. I appreciate all of you, and you don't necessarily have to join the patron program if you want to use the Amazon link at theoverwhelmedbrain.com that's another way to uh, show your support because we're on the uh, Amazon affiliate program that's helpful to us to keep the cost down where we're all kind of sharing <laughs> the cost <laughs> of creating a show like this and putting it out there. I appreciate everyone who supports the show in that way as well and finally thank you to Kevin McLeod of incompetec.com for some of the music transitions in the overwhelmed brain and uh, just to close the show something I wanted to talk about like I said earlier about uh, the e-coaching so I have a client and uh, I'm going to talk about your letter. I'm going to call you Joan. Joan reached out um, after several months. We haven't talked in a while. She had been on the e-coaching program. She knew she could reach out anytime and she reached out with this letter that I read this morning and was, I don't know the word, flabbergasted. I was just like, what is this about? I I mean, I knew what it was about and I immediately had to reply to her and I gave her this long reply and Lots of, um, my insights about what's going on and some suggestions about what she should do. But, um, Joan, I, I say this with all the love and respect for you and wanting the best for you that I share this with others so that they understand where you might be and, uh, where they might be if they relate to this, where Joan met someone new uh, a few months ago, several months ago, and, um, they're moving along quite well and everything seems to be going in a good direction. But he started bringing up things about her finances and her money. And uh, I thought that was kind of strange. You're in a relationship together and uh, not only does he have his own financial issues that he has to deal with and figure out, but now he's telling her what to do with her money or uh, asking her to do things with her money that she doesn't feel comfortable with. And I think it's kind of A little strange to be in a relationship that that it's that new and somebody else is telling you what to do with your money. So that was like a red flag for me. And I mean, it it can happen. I mean, if if you are dating a stockbroker or a financial analyst or somebody that knows money, somebody that does well with money, anyone really that has invested well or has lots in savings or just they just seem to be money smart then listening to their advice is like a really good idea. (laughs) But if you're dating someone that uh, can't rub, what do they call it, rub two pennies together or two dimes or two nickels together, uh, then that suggestion changes. My suggestion is you don't really listen to a homeless person on buying a new home and investing your money. Not that they won't be smart, but they're probably better off telling you what not to do so you don't end up in that situation unless they want to be there but the idea is that uh, you don't normally get the best advice from someone who's not in the space to uh, give it who doesn't have the references to back it up and so you know Joan is dating someone with not too many references to back up his financial advice and you know Joan talks about some very specific things I won't reveal here but uh, you know I sent her this long email this morning and I wasn't going to stop writing it because It was so darn important that she understood what was going on, and a lot of it was uh, emotional manipulation. You know, I talk about the mean workbook at the end of every episode. I go, you know, if you're in an emotionally abusive relationship or you don't know you are, uh, this is the workbook that will help you assess using a 200-point checklist and all kinds of resources and my experience with uh, manipulative people, with clients who have been in manipulative relationships. All of that's in this workbook. Helps you get through it at um, loveandabuse.com. And I tell people about this because of letters like Jones, where she's in what sounds like a great relationship. Everything started off great. He's saying all the right things, a lot of common interests. And then these little subtle clues that start coming up that, and I'm, and this is nothing, nothing against Joan, but in general, some people will be so in love that these clues just fly right over their head. They just, they don't see them. And so they had this bad feeling like that doesn't make me feel very good. But, you know, I understand what he or she is saying. And maybe I'm just uh, not seeing the whole picture here. And that could be a flag that is now big and red and scary, but it's ignored or it's not being taken seriously. Now, what Joan shared with me, there's all kinds of these little red flags or big red flags that are coming up. And some very clear things that are going on in her relationship that are are definitely emotionally abusive. And the person that she's with, in my opinion, from what she wrote, is saying and doing things in a way that he hopes will make her feel bad enough that if he withholds love or threatens to leave her, that she will give in and then do as he wishes with her money. Like I said, there's more details here I can't really share. But this really, you know, activates me. This, My manipulation radar goes bing, bing, bing. This is not right. Because what he's saying is like, well, if you don't do this, then I'm just going to leave. Or if you don't do that, then um, he has different behavior toward her. He's, he acts snarky and, and uh, condescending or little things that come up as a way to get his way. And what this is, is control. He's doing certain things to control her through her love for him. And I want you to be aware of this very thing that can happen in relationships. When someone uses how they feel about you against you so that they take something away from you unless they get their way. For her, it's like, I'm going to take my love away from you until I get my way. And I told her, you know, you need to stand up for yourself and say, well, that's too bad that you want it this way. It's my money. You have no control over me. And um, when you're ready to stop acting like a child and show up like a man, I'll talk to you. And again, like I said earlier in the show, this is me for many years of honoring my boundaries and knowing what happens when this amplifies later on in the relationship. I'm going to say something like that. And I hope that when people get into a situation Where they see these red flags, they step into that place too and go, whoa, this is not right. This person doesn't have any right to say this about what I do with my money, what I do with my time. Sure, we're in a relationship, but they need to prove themselves too. And the symptoms in this particular relationship are just very clear and strong. And I told her, and I want you to do this too, is that when you're in a fairly new relationship, you step out of it. You disconnect from your emotions and you look at it rationally and logically and you see what's going on and and you figure out, wait a minute, if I were to take my love for this person out of the equation and I were to take their love for me out of the equation, what do we have left here? What, What does this look like? Because what it looks like when there are certain things going on, there are manipulations going on, then you can tackle it differently. But... What often happens, and what I was guiding my client away from, was the thought that you'd lose the emotional connection could be so strong that it would override your rational process of staying out of harm's way. That happens a lot. Because uh, if someone is truly being emotionally abusive or manipulative, um, then what they do is they want you to feel emotionally connected to them because once you are, they know they can use that to take it away from you. They know they can use their love and affection towards you as a tool or a weapon that can be taken away if you don't comply with what they want. And if you do comply, it only gets deeper and worse from there. And uh, this is all before the marriage. If you if you end up getting married, whatever's happening today ampl- amplifies like tenfold. I would even say a hundredfold. It just, it feels awful. So if you're starting to have little niggling feelings today and nothing is done about it, there's no accountability, there's no standing up for yourself saying, no, 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 this kind of behavior will not be tolerated. Then when you get into a a marriage, there's more of that locked in feeling. Now what? You can still do something about it, but um, the manipulator slash emotional abuser's behavior becomes a lot more prevalent. Hey, now I got her or him and it's easier to manipulate. So I don't want you to, I don't want you to be in that space. So just be aware when these red flags appear for you to step out of this love stuff, you know, just for a moment, step out of it and go, okay, if I wasn't in love and I wasn't afraid of losing love, then what decision would I make? Because boy, when you're afraid of losing love and affection, you tend to make decisions that not always the best ones they're not always the best ones for you so you end up in bad situations so to my client joan i want you to be safe i want you to be in a great relationship if this one has the chance of being a great relationship it will only do so by you standing up and making him accountable and making him know what's not acceptable to you because the more you let things slide the more they will So I want the best for you, Joan, and I want the best to anyone listening so that you can have the life you really want to have instead of the one that was uh, coerced, the one that was molded for you that you just have to live with now. Don't want that for you. And if you're in that now, just keep an open mind so that you can step into your power. This will help you be firm in your decisions and actions so that no matter what life you're living now, You can make new decisions that empower you, that bring you into the space where you can take steps to grow and evolve. You are powerful beyond measure. Don't ever forget that. And above all, and this is something I absolutely know to be true about you you are amazing.